You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay. <laughs> Nope, next one again. Well, you're not having no children. I did, I did. No, 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 not to bring us on. Not this one either. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Sorry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Mr. Stuart Goldsmith. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are we good? Is that on? Lovely. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming. Um, sorry, we've had some technical difficulties this morning and, uh, and made you wait. Many apologies. We'll get, straight, uh, we'll get stuck straight into it. Just before we start, um, this is the Comedian's Comedian. Give me a cheer if you've been here before. Good. Uh, give me a cheer if you've heard it on, uh, on the podcast. Yes, thank Christ. Okay, good. Uh, that's good. This, uh, if you're not familiar with the format, this isn't so much a comedy show as a documentary show about comedy. So I take one comedy headliner per show and interrogate them, really, interview them in depth about... There'll be some waterboarding. Um, and, uh, and find out how they make their stuff. So uh, I think it's important to say that at the top. Uh, there will hopefully, I'm sure, be laughs and jinks and fun along the way. Um, but uh, but we're, we're not here to make you laugh. We're here to unpack exactly what it is that makes my guests tick. And today, I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to have these guests. They're the, the, the first guests that I booked onto the show. Uh, they're dear friends of mine and I'm super excited to have them here. Would you please welcome Pappies? Have a seat, guys. Can I just say, you're the, we're the first guest you booked and also the first guest you bumped when Alan Davies wanted to do the date we were doing. That is... <laughs> That is also true. That is true. <laughs> but uh, uh, what the uh, listener at home won't have seen is that in bending down to put your water down, I hit my head smugly, on the microphone. smugly after your funny comment, you then lifted your head up and hit it on the microphone. Yes. One all. Stagecraft. Um, <laughs> uh, so, guys, hello. Thanks for coming on. Um, uh, I always... Uh, I, now more so than ever, with the technical issues you've had today, I'm slightly underprepared, uh, but I always panic when I have people that I know and love really well on the show uh, because I prepare a lot less, expecting that, hey, it's just you dudes, hey, like that. Um, so, uh, oh, well done, thank you, well-remembered Neil. He's turned off the uh, incredibly loud fan that's going <laughs> to screw up the recording. Give it up for Neil, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Your show this year is unbelievably good. Correct. <laughs> this is going to go very smoothly. Can I just find out who here, because I don't want to give anything away if people haven't seen the show. Um, could we just have a show of hands if you've, if you've seen this show and a show of hands if you've seen Pappy's ever? You've seen, which is sort of same almost people, everyone. Same here. people. That's really good. <laughs> um, so for the people that uh, haven't seen you ever, uh, describe what you do 
in one word. <laughs> in one word? No, in as many words as you like. <laughs> just, just to get people up to speed. And also, I find when I do the podcast, uh, I'm hopefully introducing comics to audiences that won't have seen or heard them before. Yeah. Obviously, everyone knows who you are, but there are a couple of listeners in Singapore. So, <laughs> for the benefit of them. Um, you, you have to hold, I'm not holding the mic around to you. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, I always think what we do is like... I really like the term gang show, which I've, I've never seen a gang show. But <laughs> the, I've never seen a gang show. I type gang show into Google and you don't want to see a gang show. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, I prefer the phrase gang show to sketch, sketch show because I don't think, I think we always try and not be a sketch show. I think we're a sketch troupe, but we never try and make a sketch show. So I like gang show because it sounds more, we try and be a gang on stage and we want the audience to be... Yeah. Involved. Well, the first when we first started doing shows, we we described on, on our posters when we were just doing shows, pretty much just for our friends and family. We described it as sketch comedy for people who hate sketch comedy. That's yes. the thing, which because we we gigged when we first started, we were gigging where there was lots of people who were doing very fourth wally stuff. There were lots of nights where, uh, full of industry as well. We were like we're doing the open mic circuit, but in front of like commissioners. It was a really strange thing the sketch circuit because there was um, there was tons of people there who were you know who were, would would eventually become become sort of big. TV stars mm. um, who were trying out sketches. And, and what we always found was the sketches were A, massively overwritten, yeah. B, massively over rehearsed, mm -hmm. C, beautifully dressed, like costume, costume wise, fantastic, and D, unfunny. So it was, it, it was yeah. insane, wasn't it? Yeah. So people would spend hours, like, and they'd come out in full costume that they hired. Yeah. Spent money on th don't spend money on things. You're, <laughs> think, you're not making money. Why spend money? It's, you know, that's yeah. the great thing about stand up is you can just, just do it. You know, we wanted to do yeah. a sort of sketch version of that. And then in 2007, we. Uh, somewhat pretentiously, although we thought it was a joke, no one really got the joke. We described ourselves. Do you remember that there was like there were lots of bands like Godspeed, You Black Emperor, who yeah. described themselves as post rock. We described described ourselves as post sketch. And nice. <laughs> so our, our 2007 show was a post sketch show. Um, uh, but I, I think it's always been. There's nothing. It's very cringeworthy watching sketch comedy when it's going badly. I think there's nothing worse. It's worse than watching bad stand up. I think yeah. watching bad sketch. Um, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so. They've, they've all seen the show. They've all seen yeah. the show. Um, um, but I think that's. Uh, so we wanted to make uh, s make sketch comedy for people who, who would ordinarily go. Oh, I don't really feel like watching sketch. Mm -hmm. Bring, yeah. Bring, Bring, I, Bring I, Clark in. I, 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 I can. <laughs> I should explain for the benefit of the listener that I've deliberately only given Pappy's one microphone between the three of them. And what is happening now is that Tom and Matthew are vying for supremacy of the mic and Ben is smiling a lot. So it's nice. It's kind of what happens anyway. It's fine. <laughs> you had something to add to that? If, if you take the mic, Ben, you have to use it. Oh, no. I was going to say, what, how, we, how we found out... Because I think you can, you can talk about this, because how we found out what to do was we, we didn't start by putting on a sketch night. We started off by putting on a variety night. So there was like seven of us. There was a big group of friends. And we put on a night. We wanted to have everything in it. So we, did, we all did stand-up, like five minutes of stand-up. We all sang songs and we did sketches. And it was like that was the entire night was like a variety night. So we started off being called Pappy's Fun Club because it was an evening, mm -hmm. not an act. And we never thought of ourselves as an act. It was like, come to this show. You're going to see everything. And there's going to yeah. be seven of us and we're going to do it. And I think our... Our, our act now has condensed down from a variety night mm -hmm. into our act here. So it's kind of sketches, but music, I think, is like... Like, Ben is always the one who will have an idea for a sketch and Ben will go, can this be a song? <laughs> can we make this a song, please? <laughs> and he's always right. Well, that, that, yeah, that's, that's funny, that's funny uh, because we... What, what was the sketch in this year's show that we, was, we, we, we wrote it 
and it wasn't quite working. And we were like, we're going to give it to Clarky. He's going to say it's going to be a song, and he's going to be right. Um, and and it turned into a song. Ben wasn't even there. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even we didn't even need Clarky in the end. We we thought, what would Clarky? We got a little wristband says, what would Clarky do? Um, <laughs> we use it whenever we want to lie in. <laughs> I quite like the idea of doing the comedian's comedian, where you bring on a comedian to talk about another comedian, but that comedian doesn't speak. Because what's, what's happening now is we're talking about Clarky, but Clarky's barely said a word. <laughs> that, that is an, I concur. <laughs> that is a potentially award-winning format, uh, and yeah. I'd like to stake my claim yeah, on it absolutely. here. Let's do that. Let's it's do yours, that from now yours. on. Um, so you, you mentioned that stand-up, and you obviously came to... I mean, Matthew, you're a stand-up in your own right as, as well. You're a recognised stand-up, and you've done a couple of hours at Edinburgh, the second of which is this year. Um, Tom, I remember you doing stand-up before in, in 2007 when we did yeah. the Hackney Empire Well, show. I actually did my first hour this year at the McClunkleth Comedy Festival, which is a lot like Edinburgh, but... A, uh, it's like one venue in Edinburgh. That's the, the McClunkleth <laughs> Comedy Festival. But it's this incredible festival that runs in the middle of uh, Wales. Um, that a lot of it's beautiful because the industry don't know about it yet, but the yeah. comedians do. So there's a yeah. lot of great comedians go there, and everyone has to pass mm. through the filter of Henry Widdicombe. Yeah, well, exactly, it, and he only books lovely people. Yeah, who are brilliant. And yeah. he he was lovely, and he said, "Look, I saw you do stand up. I know you can do stand up. Do an hour. Do it at my festival." Okay. So I was like, "Okay." So I did an hour this year, um, and really enjoyed it. So yeah, you never know. But you, so I mean, I, I always think of, of Pappies as being a sort of uh, stand-up infused because a lot of the things you're talking about, like you're not you're, uh, not respecting the fourth wall, things like that, they're very much like uh, stand-up tropes. So when when I first saw you, I remember thinking this is like a sketch show, but it's also like a stand-up show because you know, it, quite apart from the, the 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 gang show idea you're you're suggesting of a stand-up act and then a sketch act, it was like your sketch was really infused with stand-up. Well, that's how it happened in a very practical way because we we were doing our own night this kind of variety night and then when when by the time that had finished and people had dropped away and we were a small group going out to perform at other people's nights the only gigs we could get booked at were because Crosby had been doing stand-up for a year or two on the circuit in mm. London um, he, all his contacts were stand-up nights uh, so okay. he'd say can I come and do your gig with my group and they'd be like okay so we were only playing stand-up nights to begin with sure. and we very quickly learned that unless you if you ha we, we always talk about it in terms of direction like any sketch that's this way you tank any sketch that's that way you'll survive oh sorry yeah okay oh uh, yeah um you know like he's talking about playing in and playing out if we play in and we talk to each other on stage then those sketches never work but if you talk yes. to the audience even though you may be saying things that should be addressed to the other two yes. then uh, th then that tends to work sure. and also what the, the, we always treated the first few minutes on stage as getting because if you come on and go, hello, I'm the doctor and you're the patient, you know, that's awful. Whereas uh, if you come out and say, hello, we're three dickheads, uh, it's nice to meet you, then... <laughs> Which is what a stand-up would do. Hello, I'm a dickhead. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, if we, we say, we're three dickheads. Nice to meet you. Then they go, oh, I like these three dickheads. Then they don't care when you come out dressed as Julius Caesar. You know, yeah. they, know, they know you're a dickhead. Um, and we, we, me and Ben were in Wolverhampton doing theatre. Uh, I, sh I should just point out, Ben looks like he's concurring with all of this. Yeah. Um... Before the audience came in, Ben was sat in the middle and he suddenly went, 
I shouldn't be sat in the middle. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. <laughs> no, um, Ben and I would make, we were doing theatre in Wolverhampton. So we had a, th- a three-man theatre company in Wolverhampton and then this sketch group going on in London. We were travelling between the two. And, like, literally, that's the wonderful thing about the difference between theatre and comedy. And sometimes I think sketch falls into that trap of being too theatrical. And the beautiful thing about comedy, why it's such an amazing art form, is that, in fact, it really frustrates me because there are, there are plays that do... Um, you get, get these plays every so often, like, called The Audience, or, like, you know, You're Here Too. And yeah. it's like... And all the critics are like, oh, my God, this yeah, theatre yeah, piece yeah, yeah. is incredible. They acknowledge the audience, and the audience do a thing, and it might... And you go, that happens every fucking night <laughs> in every comedy club. And it's a piece of art that's that's live and real, sure. and the audience are there. And, like, if it happens in the theatre, people all jizz themselves. And it's like, <laughs> go and see a comedy show. That's what comedy is. It's, it's an art form that's completely live and has to be fluid and changed to its environment and I mean like, and that's the difference we found from playing the, the rural touring circuit as a theatre company and then coming down and being able to do comedy shows and that's why I think embracing that life it's, just, it's yeah. so important to us but also, also what Tom and Ben uh, bring to uh, Pappies uh, which I don't really have in, in my arsenal is uh, skip what's that say driving licences yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> height <laughs> well, um, I was just about, to, just about to pay you guys a compliment, but fuck you both. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say that, that I, I saw their, their productions, I saw the productions they did, and they were, they were very, very physical and very, very kind of visually inventive. Sure. And uh, that's the side that Tom and Ben bring. So uh, any days that... Any days that I sort of am not around to write with them and Tom and Ben write together, it will always be a thing that involves a lot of movement and, uh, like... Uh, Almost often, no words. It'll often be like sort of like the, the silent sketches are often come from Tom and Ben. Okay. Uh, very physical silent sketches. Like we have uh, a, a thing this year called Three Songs, which if you've seen that, that was that was pure Tom and Ben all the sure, way. Sure. I mean, literally, I wait backstage while it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I text my girlfriend. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, um, but yeah, so it's it's um, and, and that's what I, what, what I love is because that's the thing that I definitely can't do. The sketches that are wordier and a bit thinkier come from me um, and um, and by thinkier I mean where, where people go hmm <laughs> rather than rather than laugh oh conceptually interesting Mr Crosby conceptually interesting did not laugh once but appreciate what you're trying to do <laughs> Do, do you find? Let's talk a little bit then about your uh, about your writing process. So that you have different days of writing with each other. Is that purely based on who's available at the time? I'm, yeah, a kind of. But we we, we find that uh, writing in pairs um, is a lot more effective uh, when it, when it comes to an initial idea and also some ideas. You think, oh, that that'll work well writing that up with Tom. That okay. will work well writing it up with Matthew. And so it's just kind of finding the right combination really and then as a three then we go back over every sketch and we re-edit it and rewrite it together but the initial kind of idea we find that three on an initial idea can sometimes just kind of just chokes up it's just too many cooks sure for me it's really simple because like um I was talking about this last night, actually. I'm so boring. I was talking about this in the... I was really boring a member of Lady Garden with this, but if you... Uh, sometimes it'll happen, and, and it's okay when someone writes a sketch on their own and brings it to the group, but that always takes longer because once, once something becomes like a tangible thing, 
then it's it's much trickier to break it down and change it. Whereas if yes. you're writing in a pair, you immediately start compromising on the idea. So if I've got this idea for a sketch and I say, and I'm I'm with Matthew and I say, right, this is what I think it should be, and Matthew goes, well, actually, what about this? This would be better. And I'm like, ah, okay. Then we are we're already compromising to make the first tangible thing. Sure. So it's already been collaborative. Whereas if I've written a thing, like it happened, I wrote, uh, I had this idea for a sketch with bears in it for this year's show. Mm-hmm. And rather than we write it together, I wrote it and it was there. And then the guys had to kind of go, well, maybe we should change that bit or that bit. But that's always a lot trickier to do when yes, someone's made okay. something that's whole. Whereas if we've made it together already, it's already collaborative. And then the next person comes in and... It's, it's open. It's, exactly, open it's already be, yeah. open, and I think so. That's why I, I will always advocate, ad, advocate, advocate, yeah. advocate. advocate. <laughs> I'll, I'll always, I'll always drink advocate before I'm writing meeting. And, um, <clears throat> I'll always uh, push for writing in pairs first because it's that you immediately start compromising from the very start. And okay. I think that's quite an important thing. But well, uh, well also as well, like, uh, if we do end up... Because there's a couple of sketches that I wrote as a first draft. Like, I wrote a sketch and then uh, showed it to the other guys and they said, well, there's an idea in there that we like. So we completely... Th- through it like there's a, a, a like a, we've got a tv show called i can't do that yes. in the thing which was a thing i i, I initially wrote for um uh i wanted to write it for anna and katie do you remember you know anna and katie were doing a tv show but it got turned down so uh <laughs> fuck you guys <laughs> um, but yes and i thought that would be a funny idea I wrote it out as a, as a script but the initial script just wasn't didn't didn't really work so we took it we, we literally tore up the first draft and i think sometimes writing a second draft you think oh it should be a redraft of the first yeah it doesn't necessarily work that way sometimes a second draft should be a new first draft and then uh, and that's that's kind of the way quite a few sketches have gone yeah so when you say writing and drafts and and tearing things up are you talking about physically you sit and one of you is at a laptop or a a computer and you actually physically write things down or are you actually, are you improvising together that's What's really interesting because we do we do write scripts we do write physical scripts but once we've sort of once we've kind of learned the basics of them <clears throat> excuse me once we've learned the basics of them we kind of throw them away don't we i mean at what yeah. point in the in the process like describe from, right. from day one of an idea okay um, all right, this is this. Let's, let's think about this. So uh, we right. Say so. Say for example, it's like Tom and I s- sit down. Uh, I'll probably be on the laptop. I just don't like. He's so. I mean, it's, uh, we're both slow typers, but he just doesn't know any of the hotkeys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he hates it when I'm at the keyboard, and he'll go to the toilet, and I'll go to the keyboard, and he'll come back, and there's gonna be there's always a great four minutes where I refuse to give up the keyboard, and he can't handle it. And like he goes. Uh, you know, you should space that there. And no, 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 no. That's that you. You've got to use the tab bar. And then, like after about four minutes, he's like, "Get out!" And I always apostrophe in cameras. <laughs> I always try and hold it for as long as possible. But so when I'm writing with Matthew, Matthew sits at the keyboard and I pace around and shout stuff yep. out. And when I'm writing with Ben, I sit at the keyboard and Ben paces so around. Ben's actually worse at typing than you are. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, but like that's that's that, I, I I quite enjoy I quite enjoy though having those two writing partners because they're yep. completely different for me I can be the one who's throwing stuff out and Crosby will write it down as a proper joke okay. and Ben can throw ideas at me and I'll try and write that down as a proper joke and I really like having those two different writing pairs but it is, it is rare that we script a sketch okay. and it stays like here's the scripts for this sketch like the second we, we kind of talk it through 
and then immediately dispense of reading it out and then it okay. immediately starts to change. So it, it's very early on. Like, we were thinking about our shows. None of them are... We haven't got any physical evidence of our show. So when we try and remember our shows from 2007 and stuff, there's not a script of our show. Okay. It's not written down. There's set lists. Yeah. But, um, but it's not a concrete thing sure I mean that almost seems like the, the reverse of what one might imagine the process was whereby you kind of talked around ideas and then put them in a concrete form you're kind of starting off concrete and going yeah there, there's something funny in this that's the funny idea now let's play it and we write a ton on stage as well <clears throat> again we write a, we write a lot uh, of we, well I think I'll tell you what it was, was we, when we first started in like 2004 when we first started doing nights we would write things we, we would because we all lived in different parts of the country we'd get together on Friday night having written scripts we'd rehearse them and rewrite them on the Friday night perform on the Saturday night so we'd like all day Saturday rehearsal but what would happen is often you'd be out on stage and you know you'd, you've learned an hour and a half long show you didn't, yeah. like lines wouldn't come as quickly you would improvise you would say a thing that didn't work so all this all the same things you do in stand-up where sure. you say something and it doesn't work you have to deal with the fact it doesn't work um uh so what we do a lot is it's, it's just kind of improvise lines and mess around and, and never worry about sticking to a script because the chances are in that kind of the hype that the pressure you feel on stage to be funny makes you funnier in a yes. really good in a really good gig you come up with things that you you know it's like being it's like if you're being if you're being chased by a bull you know, you can jump over higher fences than you you could yes. if you were just running sure. along trying we to jump can over all fences. relate to that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you seem like a kind of bull chasey crowd uh, so um <clears throat> but yeah i think if that's is that kind of thing of being you know being yeah, being live is the best is the best way sure. to is to write So apologies for the dodgy start there. This one was a bit all over the place, technically. Uh, a huge amount of fun, this interview. And one of the many things I love about Tom, Matthew and Ben is that there's loads of thought and loads of heart behind what amounts to a ridiculous, sweaty knockabout performance. If you haven't seen their last show ever, uh, which we'll refer to frequently during this episode, uh, you have to make the effort and go to what Tom charmingly calls the McClunkliffe Festival and best search for Mac Comedy Online, M-A-C-H Comedy, uh, and uh, go and see the final performance of their last show as you'll hear from the uh, the final question segment at the end of the show, they've really raised the bar for sketch comedy, I think, in terms of feeling and of the emotional response it can provoke. And it's also very, very funny, of course. Um, amazing reactions to the Dr. Brown podcast just before Christmas. Some of you huge fans of his and getting exactly what you wanted. Some of you, as predicted, found the interview very frustrating. All I can say is it's almost impossible to sum up the kind of work we're talking about if you haven't seen it. So go and see him in the flesh if you can. See what kind of work he's doing and what kind of risks he's taking on stage and then get back to me. And also something that we didn't even get the chance to talk about, which is frustrating, um, is I one of the best shows I saw at this or any other Edinburgh was Dr. Brown, 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 Brown and his singing Tiger, which is his children's show. So I just wanted to flag that up. Um, whether or not you're a fan of his adult clowning, his children's show is one of the best children's shows I've ever seen. So uh, I, I wish I'd mentioned that last time. Perhaps many of you will email me and tell me that I did and I've forgotten about it. That happens more often than I'd care to admit. Now, very excitingly, we have sold out about two-thirds of the tickets available for our special ComCom Live Night with James Acaster. Uh, you remember this is at a secret location in London on Wednesday the 6th of February. That's just a month away. Um, £6, tickets only available in, in advance from the Comedians, Comedian.com website. 
and the Facebook page as well. So uh, comedianscomedian.com has got a link to the Facebook page on it that you can click through to buy the tickets. Um, I'll be hosting. We'll have a short guest spot from someone brilliant and then James will do us half an hour of uh, stuff old and new. And then after an, uh, after an interval, we'll do an interview with James and only the interview will be podcast. So do come and hear the whole thing. James is on tour at the moment, I later discover. And um, so, so what do you want? Do you want the show that everyone gets to see that probably ends up on a DVD somewhere? Or do you want this special intimate experience? It's the second one. Uh, this week's Funny for No Money is in honour of James. Uh, the, the fabulous James Acaster has always looked to me like a young man on some sort of geography field trip. It's just his look. So in honour of uh, his upcoming special on Wednesday the 6th, uh, we're doing a Funny for No Money, which I, I've, I've got to point out, the hashtag is hashtag funny for, F-O-R, no money. Let's all get on the same page here, people, because I've, 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 people, I've had people email me the phrase... Uh, no money, but I'm funny. And I just find it confusing. So it's hashtag funny for no money. And what I'd like you to do is to combine the concepts of geography and comedy itself to find the perfect title for an Edinburgh show. Could be a mixed bill show about those two things. So here's one to start you off on the subject of geography and comedy. Just the tectonic. I know it's bad. I expect you to do better. And finally, before we go back to Pappy's, here is a new strand on the show, The Death Line. Uh, This goes out to all comedians. When you've died, and really died, not just a rough gig, but a death, I want you to ring up and tell me why. Tell me whose fault it was. Uh, That bit is a test. Uh, What it felt like. We want physical symptoms, the psychological impact, in as much specific detail as possible. And you send them in. I think ultimately I'll get a phone number for this and you can record them on an answer phone. But I'm off to Australia. So for ease of use at the moment, record me a short message, two minutes tops on your phones. Go into detail as soon as you come off stage, as soon as you've died. This is is here to be an ear for you and also for us to to get out to all of these plucky wannabe comedians that all want to bravely have a go. Let's see if we can stop them um, by by letting us know what it's like to be the person that is making the whole night die, that's ruining everything. I've got one that I recorded myself a little while ago. Uh, I've got some uh, recording of the fabulous Ellis James, who had a very shonky one before Christmas. Um, so that's uh, And Tom Tuck, I should say, also helped uh, develop this idea. He's coming up on the show before too long. Um, so get in touch with me, record me a short message, just, just a short one, otherwise I'll have a nightmare editing, and email it to info at comedianscomedian.com so start sending those ones in and they really have to be a death and you really have to go into detail about what it's like otherwise I'm just going to bin them finally as ever on the live shows and I know this has been a long blurb I can only apologise uh, finally, the bleeps at the end of the show are where I've bleeped out audience questions. And on the subject of apologising, uh, I can only apologise for how hard and how annoyingly I'm laughing throughout this interview with the absolutely wonderful Pappies. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From the from the perspective of the of the sitting down writing or pacing or typing thing, yeah. how long do you have like a writing timetable in a in an average week or month? Do you have do you go okay? We're going to meet in the office in whatever pairs, 
and we're going to do X number of hours work on these days? Or, or is it more fluid than that? We tend to kind of do office days, don't we? We sort of start about half nine, ten o'clock and yeah. finish about uh, half five, six or seven, something like that. We've got a lot better at it, actually. Uh, it's been a real kind of journey for us to get to that point where we say, OK, Monday, me and I'll go around to Ben's house and we'll work there. And then Tuesday, Matthew can come over to mine. And like, we've got a lot better at treating it like that, especially when it comes around to getting a show together. Um, and what you really learn about those days are four hours of them are really shit <laughs> and you sit there with nothing and you stare at each other and you get a bit frustrated with each other and you talk about other things or like you know like you you realize that the other person's doing something else rather than thinking about the idea you're thinking <laughs> of at the time ben get off come tree i know you've just moved house but fucking hell we need to write a show <laughs> but like you know like um and it's like and like that's like four or five hours and then you'll suddenly hit 20 minutes that go bang and it's like and it, the idea will fall out and you you know and it's been a long time try, being a writer learning that that's a massive part of the writing process is waiting and waiting because your brain's doing stuff I read a great article about it and actually it's a shame because it kind of explained to me what I thought I'd just discovered when, like, you know like literally if you if you if you if you if the one part of your brain gets frustrated, um, the logical part of your brain, mm -hmm. then the other side of the brain starts making synaptic leaps, um, sure. kicks in. But that side of the brain doesn't kick in unless the other side of the brain is. I'm tapping my head. If you're listening at home, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like unless you frustrate that side of the brain, then the creative side doesn't start making synaptic leaps. Gotcha. So a lot of the time is just sitting there, and it feels like you're banging your head against a brick wall, and then suddenly, and this is like this is what Clarky's so good at. Is like it'll be like this doesn't work this doesn't work this doesn't work and after like an hour of not saying anything he'll go ah uh, what about this and you kind of go yeah that's it that's it of course that's it and it's like you know that that's like it's just like a, a turn of the key and then bang off you go and you have this incredible 20 minutes where it all like all falls out and it's like you can barely type fast enough okay but waiting for that it's like fishing i think it's like you know it's i don't fish i imagine it's like fishing <laughs> Uh, and I, I don't get chased by bulls, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's pursue these metaphors. But it, it's, it's fascinating as well. What, also, the sort of funny side of things is, I, was, I, I got a, 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 an email from Tom. I was standing on a train platform with, uh, with my girlfriend, Charlotte, and uh, I got an email, and I just went, ah, like really screamed loud. And she was like, what's happened? I was like, Tom has taken one of my character names and changed it to The Bibster. He's made <laughs> one of my characters called, the, it's now called Matty the Bibby Bibster. He wasn't called that. He was called, I don't know, G G Gerald Bonhuffley or something like that. <laughs> Not The Bibster. And then she was like, is this the most frustrating thing of your part of your job? Because... <laughs> Because that's, but like you, we, we, you could still, you could, like we've had screaming arguments about like, uh, right, well, the, to, the, go there, this go is, there. Yeah, we should, we should, we should go because this is this is fast, oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is fascinating. Where, um, well, let's sort of reverse, go, go backwards. There was a point where, where Tom said, at the end of an argument, he said to me, you know what? We're going to laugh about this one day. We're going to laugh about the fact that we've just spent the last half an hour arguing as to whether or not we should start our show by singing the song Tonight's Gonna Be A Good Night by the Black Eyed Peas. Now, that was, that was Tom's original idea for how we start our show. We all come out and sing Tonight's Gonna Be A Good Night by Black Eyed Peas. And I was like, no, we should write our own song. That's what we do. We write original songs about how exciting the show's gonna be. And he's like, no, this is how it's gonna work. And we, honestly, it was, it was one, of the, one of the shittest mornings of my life, sat around at Tom's house drinking coffee, just arguing as to why we should and shouldn't do things. Yeah. But, it, but you... 
it's so important to have those. It's so important to, to knock heads against each other. It's so important. Yes. Well, but also, it's important to remember to remember that you are not. You're annoyed conceptually, but you're not annoyed actually. You, yeah. you, you, the, you know, uh, uh, Tom and Ben are my, um, are my are my best friends in the world, and Ben and Tom are best friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Tom and Ben are my best friends in the world. So what you've got to realise is that although the person in front of you is saying things that you think are uh, not not just wrong, but genuinely uh, sort of sort of show a fundamental lack of understanding <laughs> as to what comedy is, um, <laughs> you've got to, you, you. They are there. They are. They are. They are sent there to make make you a better person and you are sent there to make them a better person and gotcha. we are we are far far greater than the sum of our parts like we all do we've all done comedy individually but i think collectively we work that that's when we're most successful that took that took a while, it took a couple of years to get to that stage as well where you you to not take anything personally is so important it's like i think it's the key to working together and like we want to we want to work together for as long as we're performing comedy you know mm. i think we like and, and like in the last couple of years that idea of we're in this for the long term this is going to be our lives we're going to work together for as long as possible in whatever way it is you know mm. if it's not coming up to edinburgh with an hour it's just, we're never going to want to stop working together it's like to preserve that to let, to make sure that you know you can absolutely say to someone you're talking bullshit that means you know you're absolutely wrong and not take it personally it's yes. like to have a completely um, subjective uh, you know like yeah. um like take all these subjective feelings and make them, this is this is completely objective this has got nothing to do with who you are it's just about your ideas and it's like it's <laughs> it's so that doesn't sound much better you know, <laughs> no, I, know but I love you as a person but your ideas are fucking shit mate <laughs> no no but, but but it is true it, it is it is saying it is saying that thing of like um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's I, you know, I, I love working. I love working with you, but this isn't. This bit isn't working. Sure. And, it, and yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, one, I mean, I don't know if we, if we want to get into this, but one of the reasons why we went from a uh, from a, from a four to a three was because that was a that level of communication wasn't there in the relationship we um, uh, in the relationship we had as a four piece. And sure. and one of the things that we learned through what was essentially a very painful breakup, it was you know it was like it was like a divorce, was that we need to be more open and honest and upfront with each other and and sort of be a bit a bit kinder with each other mm -hmm. I think that's that's kind of thanks mate Kurt Vonnegut's <laughs> <laughs> <Kurt, laughs> in the audience <laughs> um, so so regarding that um, did you feel that made you stronger afterwards having gone through a process whereby you had a sort of a messy divorce did you feel that the, the good things came out of that yeah, I think... Uh, I wasn't going to bring that up, but seeing as you have... <laughs> Can you see we've finally given Ben the mic as yeah. well? Because we've got to the tricky bit. Yeah, this is... <laughs> I'll save this, sinking ship. Um, yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. It did. Uh, uh, the thing is that our relationship as a three had already begun quite a long time before the split anyway, because... Um, the fourth member was a slightly less involved than we were. He still had a full-time job. Sure. Um, he didn't like doing out-of-town gigs in the same way. And so so our kind of, our relationship had already started to build as a three quite a lot, a, a lot of time before that. But you think definitely since the, the breakup, it has, it, I think it's brought us together more and we're, we're kind of more in sync. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is anyone else going to cry now? Right? <laughs> I think Clark is. 
So let's. No, but I, I tell you what was also just uh, like just uh, like which fits with what we we're talking before. Um, one of the things that taught us again to become more live was that we, when we used to do three man gigs, we got booked for a lot of three man gigs around 2007. We had quite a good year mm -hmm. up in Edinburgh in 2007. Got booked for lots of uh, of three man. Sh we got lots booked, lots of shows that were out of town, so we had to do them as, as a three man thing. Um, and in order to make it sort of financially effective, what they would say is do the whole night. So yeah. um, we would go and we would do stand up in the first section and uh, then there would be a break and then we'd go and do pappies as a headline set. However, we were such inexperienced stand-ups that we would tank in the first section almost uh, almost every time. So we would, we would be out there doing stuff that we weren't good enough to do individually and not be not be very successful. And then we'd be like, hey guys, guess who your headliner is? The three dicks you hated in the first half. <laughs> Back again. But now they're wearing paper hats. That's going to improve <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> so, so, um, so I think that was another thing. Like again, work, you know, it was it was you know necessity being the mother of invention. We we we, we had to, working as a three man. We realised that it's much better to do a whole night of pappy stuff and be incredibly live at the start. And, 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 and not be scared of, of, of stand-up-y type gigs. Sure, yeah. sure. So let's talk about personalities then and let's talk about personas and who the three of you are in relation to one another on stage. Because something that, uh, that is often of interest to, to listeners of the show who are stand-ups, and the, the majority of my guests are sort of straight stand-ups, um, is the development of a persona. So it, it's fairly... I mean, how do you see yourselves now within the dynamic of, uh, of the three of you? Well, I'm the talkative one. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's, uh, that's your first round of applause there, boys. And it goes to Clarkie. Good work. That's how it works. That's how it works. Um, we've, um, we've kind of worked really hard on trying to extend what, is, what happens in real life uh, and put it, on, um, uh, put it into our personas. Before we get onto this, can I just say, we, we used to spend a lot of time drawing graphs of what... This is genuinely true, of what we thought, or like, but not, not quite graphs, but like sort of visual representations. And we used to try and, and try, and this was part, again, and I, I know I keep coming back to this, but part of the reason why we, we realised we were more clearly defined as a three is that we would draw like, we would draw like a body and say, who's the head, who's the heart, who's the hands, who's the legs? Yeah. You know, like, do, you, do you remember doing yeah, yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And sort of trying to work out exactly what, what, we, were, what we were doing. Um, and so, and I, I, I think we could never really make it, that was never something we could really make, make work. But I think now there's an element of kind of, I don't know, like may, maybe I'm head, Clarky's heart, and you're slightly too feely hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say certainly Ben, uh, certainly ben and Tom are much more uh, sort of uh, childlike and uh, it, sort of, you know, kind of like um, sort of they go on, on instinct. Yes. You know, they sort of, you know, does that, that make sense? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it's like, um, let me try and think. It's kind of like in terms of the clowns, it's like math. Uh, and I love like, my favourite phrase in comedy is uh, I've really found my clown. <laughs> I love that, yes. But like... It was in the attic. It was really creepy. <laughs> um, but like Ben plays like the sweetly stupid guy. Yes. Which, you know, <laughs> I say plays. No, no, can I, here's the thing, right? Ben, it, Ben is a really smart bloke, right? I, it's nice when you have to have someone say that for you. <laughs> but Ben is a genuine. Like ben is, Ben's very smart. He's very visual. So people often, like, it's that thing of, of, of like, thinking Tom's happy-go-lucky. He's a miserable bastard. <laughs> but but he, he's, honestly, he's very, you're, you're, it's that your miserable face. <laughs> 
We'll but, get a picture of that and we'll send it out with but the it, podcast. But it is that thing of like, we, we, we are play, like, people often in, in interviews will go, oh, how do you put up with it? You're always angry on stage. It's like, yeah, I'm playing a character who's angry on stage. Yeah. Like, this is the greatest job in the world. I'm never, never genuinely feel angry. Yeah. It, so it's, it, it's kind of funny how people sort of confuse confuse who we really are with who we play on the stage sure the relationship between it's interesting you should mention clowns because I do you can you could see it in sort of those classical clown things you're kind of the buffoon yeah and Matthew is the Piero yeah and you know sort of like uh, or, or maybe maybe Ben's the Piero because he has that sort of like the sadness and sweetness yeah and or, the, har- or the, the Harlequin maybe yeah uh, that's why that's why I think you might be this, the Harlequin <laughs> I but, found, but then, but then we, did come, we did Comedia <coughs> Del Arte when we were in youth theatre, and I genuinely go back to when uh, I was Doctoro. Doctoro? Doctore? Doctore, yeah. and I made this mask, and it was like, I had hair back then, but it had a big, <laughs> had a big bald forehead, and he was like this kind of grotesque, kind of quite fat guy. And I was quite thin back then as well, and I, you know, quite quickly, I didn't immediately go bald and get fat, <laughs> but I, like... I really, I really think that had a lot to do with where my comedy persona lies was by doing comedia and being this quite, you know, I don't know. I think I'm the grotesque of pappies in that regard. Like if anyone's going to come out naked or be inappropriate or that will be me. And I'm always happy to do that. You know, like, but sometimes I feel like I have to take one for the team by being, okay, I'm the one who's... the disgusting one. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I'm going to be the disgusting one here. Uh, Ben's going to... And Ben sometimes feel like he has to take one for the team because he has to be the stupid one who's like, oh, well, I thought it meant this. Uh, Crosby has to take one for the team because he's going to be the one who goes, "Uh, I think you'll find it's actually that. And and so, like, we all have to be those parts. And it's like, you know, so disgusting and stupid and and anal. So... (laughs) So... Who is, I'm trying to think of who, well, I can't remember who it was, but someone described me, when we were called Pappy's Fun Club, someone described me as the unfun one from Pappy's Fun Club. Yeah, but you need that, and it's perfect. Like, and it's like, uh, thanks. But, but like, the, the, the thing is, yeah, you do, right, what I, what I sort of, the sort of the role I see myself is, because I think we, 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 we try and reflect our audience. And that's what's good about sketch comedy uh, for us, or the sort of stuff we do, is that we can, if something goes badly, rather than an audience member going, that was shit, one of us can tell, for, like, we can heckle yes. each other from the stage. Yes. So I think uh, there's, there's that element. But I remember I, one of your opening lines years ago, used to be, you'd come on and go, this is, it's a sketch show, but don't worry, it's not shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you, you were thinking sketch comedy, it's going to be shit. That was what yeah. uh, a lot of people would, uh, actually, we, we stopped doing that because you can plant that negative in fact sure, it was it was sure. uh, it was uh, Daryl uh, when we, we used to bomb at his gigs all the time Daryl Martin is a promoter uh, mm-hmm. uh, for Just The Tonic but we used to come out and go uh, we're going to do some sketch comedy you know you're thinking sketch comedy it's going to be shit and he said although it isn't shit enough people hear you say it's going to be shit and it's that sort of Pavlovian yes. response of going Oh, it might be shit, you know. So I think it's, I think that's that was yes, I, that I was a very early trick we used to do. I remember Sue Perkins years ago called her her second show the disappointing second show, yeah. which is a funny title in the context of that's maybe people's expectations of a second show, but it's still a show title which includes the word disappointing. disappointing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We kind of we kind of keep because one of our um, we used to do that a lot was kind of like we realised how much sometimes you apologise for what you're doing on stage as you go along and we've, we've, we've really tried to move away from that and be like, do you know what? We think this is funny and we don't need to apologise for thinking it's funny. I think a lot of comedians have techniques to actually be defensive about what they're yeah. doing or, or almost apologise in a way or be meta about things or be like, and actually, anyone who's being meta on stage, I always think it's still a fucking joke that you've written. We were talking about this a lot, don't we? Yeah. Like, you've written that joke and even though it's a 
different type of joke to the one you want to be doing. It's still a joke you've written. Don't apologise for it. Just put it out there. Like you know, like I, we have a lot of groaners in our show, like where people groan, and I always think an audience enjoy a groan as much as they enjoy a laugh. I think like yeah. it's part of being, you know, like the different, you know, you can be manipulated in lots of different ways. And I think giving the audience a chance to groan or giving the audience, my favourite joke is an is when an audience get it just before you do it. And it, you have that very yeah. satisfying thing of, hang on, it's going to be, yes, it is. And it's like, yeah. And like part of the laugh is an audience rewarding themselves for sure. having got there or being like, and I, my, that's my favourite moment is when you know you've got it and then you're going to do it anyway. And like, uh, and, and, I think there's nothing wrong with those. They're all different types of jokes, but you don't have to apologise just because it's going to get uh, grown. And mm. like we tried to really cut back on apologising for what we're doing. Well, one of our favourite comics, <clears throat> sort of collectively, is Tim Vine, mm. and um, he does pro you know, pro proper stinking jokes. That's one of it the sort of things he does. Like, I mean, he has some of the greatest, most beautifully crafted jokes as well. But he loves bad puns and stuff like that. Um, but. What is so brilliant to watch about Tim Vine, and Harry Hill is the same way, is that he comes out and he sells it. And he, he doesn't go, like, there's not that sort yes. of slightly sneery, like, come on, we know this is bullshit. He's, he, he, he does that proper sort of showbiz. He puts his arms out as he comes out on stage and, and makes it in a, come on, all of that kind of stuff. It's really, that I find that so much more endearing to watch. Somebody who is, um, rather than being snide about their material, going, isn't this brilliant isn't this wonderful it's sort of celebratory yes. you know you, you can sort of celebrate the sort of slightly sort of chonkiness of it you know it's um i think that that's that's kind of what we aspire aspire to do isn't it sort of yeah. you know to to be celebratory of things that are very very silly but equally having people you know ha um, having uh, you know if, if tom's doing something silly ben and i can still be looking at him like come on guys this is silly to the audience so we sort of reflect that there sure um, uh, just very quickly uh, last week i overheard a conversation between tim vine and somebody who is like uh, kind of not a reviewer as such but is really interested in uh, comedy uh, and she said um I i've just written a, a, a piece about comedy and how the function of comedy is to make people think and laugh. And Tim Vine just went, no. No, it isn't. It's to make people laugh. Because you laugh and you feel good. That's it. And, like, and I think that there is a, there, you know, and obviously there, there is a great strand of comedians who make people th um, laugh and think. But, like, I absolutely want to make comedy that makes people laugh and feel. I think that's, I love okay. the idea and I think that's what, it's why, you know, we try and do it in our show this year is kind of that sense of emotional manipulation to a certain degree because I find that such an enjoyable experience. You know, when you go to see a musical and you're like, I know this is a musical. I know this isn't like an investigative piece of verbatim theatre that matters, but God, I'm crying and then I'm cheering and I've got goosebumps because I'm being manipulated by this nonsense and it's such a lovely feeling and like that fear to feel something instead yes. of thinking I think and I, I love the it seems to be much more in tune with comedy doesn't it comedy if you're laughing yeah. that's a spontaneous it's involuntary reaction, reaction yeah. absolutely and I think that's the same with when you get goosebumps or when you and like we, we always talked about we never quite managed it I think David Reed came quite 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 close last year we were talking about I'd love to do a sketch that's really funny but then proper fucking scary like yeah. horror show <laughs> scary like oh my god and like like I love that because when you, when people come in to see a sketch show, they think they're coming in to see one thing, and that's a great place to be. When you're to have yes. an audience and you go, right, you think you're here for this, maybe we're going to do this now or this mm -hmm. now. Like, you, it's a great thing to have an audience thinking 
expecting one thing and then go, right, well, I, I can do things with you now because you're yeah. expecting one thing. So, right, here we go. Let's and see what we can do with you. comedy is a uniquely place to do that because you can always do a thing and then do a joke. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas, absolutely. It, whereas you can't really chuck a load of Grand Guignol horror into a, you know, a romance without everyone going, we want our money back. Yeah. <laughs> and also with the joke, you can just kind of instantly, ch- you can kind of wipe the slate clean. No matter what you've done that sure. precedes it, uh, making someone laugh, kind of, it's like pushing a reset or, or button. Or choose not to. And yeah. without, yeah, well. What, can I say very quickly, what we've, what we've learned about uh, in terms of roles is making an audience feel something. We absolutely know that Ben's the best person to do that because an audience always feels like they've, not, 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 they don't feel sorry, that's the wrong way, they sympathise, they sympathise with Ben or they have an emotional connection with Ben that and, they don't have with Matthew and I. And often when he's silent as well, if you think of the, oh, exactly. the dinosaur. Oh, you know. I am always pushing, right, I'm always pushing to if, if, like, to, if we ever get a show that could be on telly or something like that, like I always, always say Ben should be a mute. He should be like, <laughs> because it's like, right, because it's Wallace and Gromit, right? Yeah, 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 it is, it is. Or, 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 or Harpo Marx. Yeah. I think, like, I mean, you know, there's, there is, there's a lot to be said for, you know, so, silent comedy. I mean, like, you know, the, the artist was massively popular. I'm sure there's going to be more silenced stuff happening soon. Mm-hmm. So it, it does, it, 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 it seems crazy to say, like, because you can't speak you can't be funny. But if you think about the fact that we still, like, we still remember the comedians of the silent era. Like, everyone knows Lauren Hardy. Everyone knows Charlie Chaplin. The mm. comedians of a little bit later, like, American comedians from, like, the 50s and 60s, you might not know a Jack Benny, you know? You might yeah. not know a Milton Berle. But, we, but everybody knows, and that's, that's international. Sure. So there's something really, really, really wonderful about that. Right, Ben? Exactly. <laughs> now... <laughs> But I, I genuinely think, uh, and I think that's another thing that we, d- we, we like to do as well, is, is have an element of, of uh, pantomime in the kind of tr- traditional sense, not as in, like, panto, mm-hmm. but as in... Some, and what that's, again, that's what Ben and Tom are, are really, really good at, is that, is that kind of those physical things where you're... Like, we've, got, we've got loads of sketches now that are silent sketches set to music, yeah. and they always tend to be sort of Tom and Ben sketches, but they, they're some of my favourite sketches to watch, because you don't need to know, you don't need to know sure. anything. You just enjoy them for that... Um, we're going to have to we're going to have to wrap up fairly oh. soon because we started like I know I know this is uh, we're loving this we'll keep going until they throw us out um, <laughs> but uh, I'll just mention now I've got another couple of questions if you want any, we can do a couple of questions from the audience if we have time so have a think now we'll come back to those in a second um, so uh, regarding TV you we, you've had a couple of pilots and how have those gone what's the experience of doing uh, of doing pappies in a in a tv studio as opposed to in a small venue with a low ceiling and sweating all over everyone um well we know how to do like live comedy because we well, the, the, the tricky thing is when you're doing the like when we're doing little gigs in front of our family we were learning how to do it you know mm. we, we spent a year when we weren't on the circuit but we were performing uh, every month doing a brand new show um whereas with a telly show you just you're suddenly doing it you know like it's mm. it's like you can't you can you could you could practice stand up in little clubs. You can't practice telly on sort of little channels. There are you know, <laughs> well, there are some little you know, but uh, but yeah, you can't sort of do like a few little things and then so, uh, and especially like uh, especially sketch. You know, there aren't people. There are very few shows you can come on and do one sketch and then you go off and do something else. Um, so I, I think it's always been the thing of and also we're so good at working with each other. When you make telly, there's a ton of people who don't necessarily understand what your 
what, 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 what your comedy is. That, and that, that's, for me, that's the fundamental thing about television that I struggle with is because the great thing about comedy is you have control. Every, everyone in comedy, I think you get into comedy because you want complete control over what you're doing. You're there, you can, you can change what you're going to do on stage because you have absolute control over it. Whereas to be on television, there's somebody over there who is controlling what the people at home are going to be seeing or yeah. how they're going to be seeing it. So timing and cutting away and things like that. You, you have no idea of You so almost need a fourth member of the, the sketch show who is the editor I, I, yeah, who's come up with you the whole time absolutely and I can't stand the fact that there's somebody over there who is going to control how this thing looks like yeah. because all I want is and I, I know like this is why I hate the idea of filming our gigs and watching them back mm. because as, from a performing point of view like fucking when we do our stupid homemade costumes in our heads certainly for me and I think for you guys as well, it's like when, when Ben puts on his shower cap and things like that like I'm sure he thinks he looks a lot more like a dinosaur than he actually looks <laughs> And like, when I used to put on like the Black Knight's hat and be the Black Knight, I used to feel like I was in chainmail. I used to feel like it. And like, at the end of the day, I'm just a knob in a t-shirt and shorts <laughs> with a fucking cardboard tube on my head. But from my eyes, looking through those cardboard yeah. slots, it's like I am this knight and you go, it feels like everything. From a cold television camera's view, it looks shit yeah. and in a way that when an audience is in a room with you they almost make that leap with you they make that creative leap you say okay here we are this is what this is now and people go okay whereas from a television point of view it, it, it's so difficult to make that communication and, and I think visual I, I mean aesthetics are such an important part of what we do yeah. and I think I always to remember, translate that's very difficult I always remember Richard Sandling saying that you guys spent hours making props to look like you'd spent two seconds making them yeah. yeah, yeah, that's 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 kind of right. People like they they always uh, like people always describe our stuff as like uh, sort of sort of crappy looking or, or homemade looking, but but generally like a lot of I've the got time the word crappy on my notes. You've got crappy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's fun. Like generally, that's kind of that's the way we we want them we want them to look. Although there are there are, there are two 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 ways. Sometimes they're the way we want them to look. Other times they are we make a prop because it's not worth again like spending a lot of money on new material. If you're doing a, a joke. Um, it, it, as a stand-up, you can you can do a joke. If it doesn't work, you get rid of it. But if you're doing a joke that requires like three or four props, mm -hmm. you've got to either buy them or make them or mm -hmm. whatever. So if we buy them and, uh, and or if, we, if we make them and they work, we go, well, that works. It yeah. works if Tom's wearing a hoodie with loads of crisp bags, sort of gaffer tape to it. He's a vending machine now. That's him, that's him as a vending machine. We don't need to go out and make a proper vending machine costume because that's, that's what it is. Although I will say one thing, and this is I, I, one, of my, one of my favorite uh, aspects of sketch comedy, is that if you are a stand-up, you say a joke, you go, that didn't work. The audience kind of thinks that you just made it up on the spot and it wasn't funny. That's yes. fine. Whereas if you... <laughs> we, we had a sketch in our 2008 show, which we previewed in London. Um, we were just previewing this one sketch. We'd written it that day. We were going to preview it, preview it that night. And it was called uh, The Owl versus the Internet. And it was like uh, the old, old source of knowledge versus the new source of knowledge. Um, so an owl does battle with the internet. And we didn't know the sketch that well. And at, uh, uh, Ben was on stage sort of introducing the sketch and it was just tanking. It was dying. We were having a horrible time. And I was backstage putting on a jumper and rubber gloves for talons and a little f furry hat going, they're going to know I've planned this. <laughs> <laughs> not only is it not going to be funny, but I'm going to be on stage. There's no way they could have thought, oh, he, oh, he, just, made, he just made that up. He's made that up. <laughs> spread, spread the he's gone away. He's, he's made a costume. He's going to come on dressed as an owl. And then Tom had to come on covered in cling film. It was awful. <laughs> With oh. a golf club for an arm, I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the internet has. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
There's a great, uh, very quickly, but like um, we were previewing a sketch two years ago, four, no, three years ago, four years ago, about Brian Adams, where um, a time-travelling terrorist had gone back to the summer of 69 to kill the spirit of rock and roll. And instead of uh, the music shop where he bought his first real six-string, they replaced it with a pet shop. So he bought a pet instead of a guitar. So the summer, so Brian Adams never wrote the summer of 69 and rock and roll music never happened. And then I came out as Brian Adams wearing a denim jacket covered in animals <laughs> and said, actually, I, I have wrote a song. And then it was the summer of 69, but to music sounds. Or it was Clark, it was Brian Adams. Uh, to animal sounds. So it would be like, ruff, 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 ruff. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> right. Oh, you laugh now. We died every fucking time we did this sketch. And it genuinely took me, it took me two days to make the jacket and I sewed every single cuddly toy onto a denim jacket. It tanked and it tanked and it tanked. And we couldn't get this Brian Adams sketch to work for love nor money. But that jacket has sat in my house for four years, biding its time. And it is in this year's show and it gets a laugh on stage and it makes me so happy. I... Ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm sort of... I was planning to keep going until Neil comes and stands in my eye line. I can just see you over there, Neil. It's 20 past. We went up a bit late. Can we have another five minutes, do you think? Get in. Hooray! Hooray for Neil again. Um, so, uh, any questions from the audience? I've got, there's a lady over here. I'll ask through me and I'll say it into the mic in the middle. So when you're writing the work for the podcast, Bangers and Mash, um, do you, does that change in your, the way you write, the, the structure of the day? It, it does a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah because we, um, what we'll do is we'll, we'll uh, for those who don't listen to the podcast, we, um, we get together, we have a little improvised chat uh, for about half an hour, and then we listen back to that. And as we're listening back, we think, well, this bit could be, we could write a sketch about this, or that bit we could write a sketch about this. And then we go away, write sketches, record them, and drop them in at the points we've, uh, in, in the conversation. Um, like, like a plate of Bangers and Mash. <laughs> So the chat is the mash and the sketches are the bangers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just one question, Tom. If the, uh, if the chat were our pants, then what would the uh, <laughs> sketches be? So, um, but, but yeah, so what we end up doing is then, then it's a very sort of, very sort of super fast version because we need sketches done by four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we start about midday. So we will chat through ideas and sometimes it will literally be a one-liner where we'll go, here's the, here's the first line, here's the outline, that's it, that's what it is. Or uh, we'll, we'll chat through the ideas over a cup of coffee and then we'll go away and write individually. And more often than not, it's certainly got to the stage now where we don't, re we, we, we will kind of suggest little lines, but we don't really re-edit each yeah. other's sketches. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's partly why uh, people, a lot of people ask us, oh, you're not using any sketches from Bangers and Mash. And it's funny, we've done a year, like nearly a year's worth of Bangers and Mash, and yet there's, a, there's hardly any sketches that have made it from that podcast onto sure. the stage. And I think that's because fundamentally we're all writing solo, and it, that, there's none of that collaboration really. We, we make a few changes, but it's very, because it's so quick, it's like solo writing, and then we, we knock them out. And I think there's, that we've, there's, we feel very differently about those sketches than the collaborative sketches that make it into our pappy shows. Yeah, also they're very contextual to the actual, um, to the actual, because it, it comes out of the conversation. They don't really work in, in any other context than the conversation. And also okay. they're, they're, they're not quite good enough. Great stuff. There's another uh, question from Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, sorry, that was how you referred to earlier on. Apologies. Is so just to repeat that, and I think it's worth repeating uh, that this gentleman thought your sketch show was one of the most moving experiences he's ever had in a theatre. To, to which uh, Tom looks pleased and Matthew a bit concerned. But that's uh, <laughs> see more theatre, mate. <laughs> but but nonetheless, the Go show see is the trench. It's brilliant. The show is the show is called Last Show Ever. Is it your last show ever? 
It might be because it might. I think in terms of um, an Edinburgh hour, I think unless we can come up with a reason to. If we come up with it, like, one of the great... Well, I think it's a great joke. One of the great jokes we thought of is, like, we'll come up next year with a show called Reunion Tour. <laughs> uh, which would be really funny. But it depends. I think, um, I think conceptually, we really saw this show very early on and like mm. we can really see our Edinburgh shows um, there, there, there are those that have arrived with a big strong concept right at the start and it's almost like right we know what the show's going to be let's go and make it mm-hmm. and that was the case this year it was the same with our world record attempt it was like as soon as we knew that was the concept the show is there it's just colouring it in sure. um, whereas in previous years that's been different and I think unless we think of a reason to do another Edinburgh Hour then I'm not sure we will just for the sake of doing an Edinburgh Hour and actually you know I think we love this show I think more than uh, any we've made so far and I think unless we can think of something that's a good enough reason I mean like we're never going to stop like I said we're never going to stop performing together or working together whether we do another Edinburgh Hour or not is is, is, yeah, it remains to be seen. Is yeah. is there is there a sense in your minds as to where it can go next? As to where, like in terms of Edinburgh, if you look at someone like a Boy with Tape on his face, he's come back and now he's doing the Grand and it's seven hundred and fifty and he's selling out every night because it can kind of scale up indefinitely. Is is there a point at which you think Pappy's has like a maximum room size that works for it? Or we're, what's, we're, what's we're actually in a um, we're actually in a smaller room than we were in, in mm. previous years. Mm. We were in the Pleasance One in two thousand nine and two thousand ten. We're now in a room that's uh, about half the size. Actually, it's about half the size of the of the Pleasance One. Um, and I think that's like I think it's it's too our agents, which is a tricky thing. That our agents will often say, "You've got to show the industry you're stepping up." But I, um, that's why they say, "Play a big room." You've got to show the industry you're stepping up. But I think you if you show people that you're stepping up I don't care about the industry but people in general you show that you're stepping up by doing a really good show yeah. and we wanted to write a show that was suitable to that so I would like, I would happily do a show in the upstairs I think the upstairs in the Pleasance is an incredible venue mm-hmm. happily do a show in the upstairs I, I don't sort of we don't equate it in, in terms of audience numbers we equate it in terms of how proud we feel of the show sure. and how much people enjoy the show and that's something you can immediately feel so I don't really mind like we, we've, we've, we've done that we've done that room uh, the Queen Dome, which we were in this year too. We've, I think the first few shows we had like seventy people in, eighty people in, you know, preview shows. But it still felt great in that room. It still mm. felt wonderful. Whereas in a big venue like that, it wouldn't wouldn't necessarily. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's just I, I, I see it. In, I see it in terms of creativity. That's 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 the challenge, isn't it? It's 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 challenging yourself to write a better sure. write a better show, write better jokes, write better sketches, um, and, and just be funny. And also the other challenge which stand ups don't have is we stay together. We've, yeah. we, we, that's the challenge for us. Oh is no, to, that's the challenge working. for stand ups as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you stay together with yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay mentally together. But I, so I think um, yeah, I mean it's incredible. Like I haven't seen Tape Faces show this year, but I think. That's really exciting. It's really mm. exciting that he's doing the grand, isn't it? Mm. It's like a really, or, or like our mates, the actors of Awesome, who we sort of, you know, we have known for years. It's, it's brilliant that they're in, mm-hmm. that they're doing doing massive venues. But um, I think if you're doing like big visual stuff, you could do it in a in a in a, in a venue. Big songs you can do in a venue. I think we're I have, we're a little act. I have no desire to play big 
rooms. My favourite thing about performing is, I, I well, I, it helps me if I feel like I can look at every single member of the audience. Like yeah. I always say throughout the show, I love making a connection with every single member of the audience. And I love seeing somebody who's not enjoying it. And I'm like, well, I'm going to look at you and do it to you <laughs> until I know you're enjoying it. Okay, you're enjoying it. That's fine. Okay, then. Come on, then. Right, okay, we're on board. We're on board, guys. Like I, I, I think inclusivity is such an important part of our shows. And I, I want everybody to be like, okay, let's, you know, like we always say to our staff before the start, let's do this team let's have a good show everyone to everyone in the room and you want to say to the audience it's like okay everyone let's do this here we go we're going to have a great time here Crosby always used to say uh, get on board or fuck off and it was like <laughs> it was a great line because it's like together we we really need you guys to make this work if you're not going to get on board we're going to have an uncomfortable hour but together we're going to make something special here we need you to be a part of that and mm. it's so much harder to do when you know there's somebody you know in the, in the third tier or whatever, yeah. you know, like that far yeah. back. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we have to leave it there purely in terms of time. Um, and get on board or fuck off seems as good a place, <laughs> as good a place as any to leave it. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please join me in thanking the wonderful Pappies. <laughs> So we mentioned uh, Pappy's Bangers and Mash podcast there. I think that's been on a hiatus, but I think it's back. Also, the Flat Share Slam Down is very, very funny. Uh, so go to www.pappyscomedy.com for links to both of those, Bangers and Mash and Flat Share Slam Down, both very excellent podcasts. Um, Tom mentioned at one point in that interview, if we ever get a TV show, and as I'm sure many of you will know by now, they have. So look out for that on BBC Three this year. Uh, I'm not sure of the title of it yet, um, but it's a, a Pappy's sitcom, a Flat Share sitcom, where the boys will be pretending to be much younger and more hip than they are in real life. Yeah, I still say hip. Uh, oh, yeah, just a reminder, Wednesday the 6th of Feb, Slim Jimmy Acaster and a special ComCom Live. Tickets only available online at the website comedianscomedian.com. Get in quick, we're two-thirds sold out already. And I was going to... It's all, it's all going a bit manic at uh, ComCom... I was going to say Towers. Hotel is probably more appropriate. Or uh, lay-by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's all a bit manic here at ComCom lay-by because uh, I've got lots of travel coming up. So I'm not sure which ep is coming out next week, but we've got a few live ones left uh, from Rod Gilbert, from Terry Alderson and from Jim Jeffries, so probably one of those. Plus I've recently recorded the wonderful and lovely Rob Rouse uh, and also we've got an interview with Tom Tup coming up soon as well. So look forward to those. That's everything. Thanks to BBC Worldwide. Thanks to all the usual people. If I've sounded faster than usual doing this, it's because I'm incredibly hot under a duvet trying to block out the sound noise in this hotel I'm in, in Sheffield. That's the lot. Bye. We love you, Brendy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.